This is Up for Debate, episode number 261, recorded August 24th, 2023. That's it then, huh? That's it. You know, on second thoughts, maybe I won't have a drink with you. Okay, then I'll go home. For a safe trip. I'll go home and call the TV stations, give them what they want. Let them take their cameras into my daughter's hospital room. Put it on the evening news. I don't give a shit whether you did it or not, and neither will anyone else. But I will put such a stranglehold on your gun money, you'll be out in the street throwing rocks. I will fucking destroy you. I will make it my mission in life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate. Uh, it is our Cherry Coke Summer, our continuing uh, film festival of one Harrison Ford. I'm Sean Jennings, joined by a man who's like a brother to me, to the point where I would absolutely track down a kill, the man who kills him. It's Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Oh, thank you for the I, I, words. John. I would I would get your revenge. All right. I would see to it that you did, especially if that revenge was uh, from the Irish. Yeah, well, we're basically Irish brothers. I mean, let's let's be real here. Yeah. There's no one more Irish really, than than us. No, no, I think uh, we, we made that claim. Uh, we, we, we said that last week was our most Jewish episode. Right. When we talked about. Um, uh, so the Frisco Kid, I think this is going to be our most Irish episode. Uh, unless we did, we ever do a St. Patty's Day episode? Somehow we we didn't get to that yet. That that eluded us. Okay, because that's usually because it's March Madness, and I usually have you playing uh, text adventure games. So yes, but none about leprechauns. So no, not uh, none yet, not yet. But March Madness is right around the corner. So good hold lord, that thought. Hold that thought. Um, but yeah, our, our film, uh, in this week, the cherry Harrison Ford continuing with all movies, um, Harrison Ford has been in with the exception of star Wars and Indiana Jones films, um, kind of trying to hit the main, the main, uh, uh, films here. And our next on our list is Patriot games, the 1992 action thriller starring Harrison Ford. As uh, Jack Ryan, as, who I up up until doing research for this episode uh, and watching the film, did not know that he was like a uh, Bond style character. He's like a recurring character, and just not never really got into a lot of Tom Clancy as a kid. I don't know. So, uh, or as an adult, yeah you you're you're not the the key Jack Ryan demographic of people who buy books at airports. Yes, <laughs> I think it's uh, followed by it's him and what Dave Baldacci is he the other the other airport book guy? Oh yeah, all those guys, those Michael Crichton books. and yeah, yeah, uh, classic uh, book uh, airport or airport book purchase. We were just talking off camera before the recording about how many airports we've both seen this. Uh, at least how many I've seen this summer. I think you probably saw your fair share. Uh, have you ever bought a book in an airport? I have not. I'm usually well prepared. I don't really think I have either, now that I think about but, it. To be fair, my taste in books is so ultra-specific mm. that I also think I wouldn't find a book at an airport. You know what I mean? I'm not the... Like, right. I, I just... I, I doubt I could go to a limited selection bookstore and find something. No, uh, I thought about buying one in, um, one of the, the myriad countries that I was in, just like buying a book. I was in all over central Europe recently. Uh, and, uh, like just, just to have, just to be like, I have this book in German. I have this book in Czech. It's Harry Potter, but it's, it's the Czech version. I think that would be kind of like a fun conversation piece. I didn't end up doing it though. We just kind of never found the time to, but, uh, airport books. No, I, I usually stay away from the, I mean, in, in the day and age, you got the Kindle and you could put anything in the world on there. Finished up, um, our summer reading on there. I read the, uh, blockbuster, um, uh, if the failing book, the, the big blockbuster failure book and the, uh, of course, the uh, losing the signal, 
finish that up too on the on the trip. So we'll have a lot to discuss there. But uh, yes, I also read that on my trip, um, yeah. and, I, and and excited to talk about that as well. Yeah, good trip read. Um, all right. So Patriot Games, where to start? Where should we start with this? Um, I guess we'll start with our with our with our star with Harrison Ford. How did you think Harrison Ford was in this film? Well, you know, we finally so last week, uh, which was a while ago, uh, we had Blade Runner, right? So we were talking eighties Ford, still a young guy doing kind of uh, an, uh, a sort of out there film in Blade Runner, but most of his eighties was spent doing Star Wars and Indiana Jones films. We've now entered uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was 1989. Um, and he won't do another one of those until 2008. So you got about 20 years of non-franchise films for this guy. And as you enter into 90s Harrison Ford, this, Matt, is what I live for. Um, a little bit older, but not super old. Does action, but not over-the-top action. Uh, doesn't really do one-liners. But he still kicks ass. Um, but in general, he's just a decent guy. Like, there's not... I don't know. It's like the subtle action star you don't really get anymore um, in, in these types of movies. I mean, it's really... The 90s is where the term thriller really comes into its own as a film. It's not an action film. It's not a drama film. It's not a mystery film. It's a thriller. Um, and that's why I was excited to see this one. Yeah, for me, this is, uh, I, I know it's it maybe kind of a cliche, but I think this was Harrison Ford's breakout um, standalone. We talked, I think we, we used that last week. We talked about uh, Blade Runner um, as his like kind of his breakout um, so like film where it's, it's uh, he's the main guy and uh, driving all the action for the, for the first time. Um, I said last week that it was um, that it was it was maybe Blade Runner, uh, but after seeing Patriot Games, I think this is kind of where he matures into his own. Because uh, Harrison Ford at this time is what he's like 40, 49 when this movie when he filmed this movie. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and in so, nineteen ninety three, the following year is The Fugitive, which I think by that point you're like this dude's the guy. Yes. So I, I, I guess, all right, I guess to amend what I just said, like, I wouldn't say it's his breakout film. I think he's definitely had those by now. He's Indiana Jones. He's, he's Han Solo. Um, he's uh, all, all these characters. Um, but I think this is his like uh, uh, peak. This uh, not, not peak, but like his, how do you say it? It's like his uh, most, he's matured into this role. Uh, and he is now uh, like his like established. Established is the word. That's the word I was I was trying to dance around there. Most established uh, role for him is in uh, in in this film. I think this is this is his the start of the Harrison Ford establishment right here. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and for the rest of the '90s, you know, he's showing his range by bouncing between these genres. When you look at thrillers like Patriots Game. Clear and Present Danger, Air Force One, K-19, The Widowmaker. But he's also doing uh, romantic comedies. He's doing Random Hearts. Uh, he's doing uh, Sabrina. Um, uh, but he's also doing straight drama, where you've got, like, Regarding Henry, and you've got uh, What Lies Beneath, more of a, that's more of a horror thriller. So he definitely spends the next uh, two decades really mixing up his... Uh, mixing up what he can do and bouncing between these genres. But this was really the first of his, I, I, never, I guess you wouldn't say it was necessarily his first thriller thriller, but this is his first action thriller um, that really sets him into the genre. Besides um, Ford, I, I know this is the cherry Coke summer. This is the, the, the summer of Ford. I, I have to also though, give props. I thought this was uh, probably the, best one of the best um if not the best uh performances from sean bean your namesake today <laughs> um I, th I thought he, i thought he gave a great um great per like kind of a, a 
again, talking about establishment roles, I think he kind of established himself uh, in this movie, um, portraying the the IRA, um, kind of the main main antagonist. Looking for the person's name here. Um, he is the he plays Sean Miller in the film. Uh, Matt, you know this is the second time we've had Sean being on the show. Do you do you remember the other time? It was Goldeneye, of course. It was Goldeneye. That's right. The, the, Alec Trevelyan. Uh, oh, look at this guy. He remembers. Of course, Sean Bean. He is very good in this. I we'll we'll get into the sort of details of the film and some of my likes and then my criticisms. One of my criticisms is that I felt like the movie didn't. I was interested in all the stories, right? Jack Ryan's family, Jack Ryan's CIA guy, uh, the IRA guys. Um, but I felt the movie didn't really balance them well. Because there were times where it was like they got too deep on the Irish, the IRA when I didn't need them to, but then they didn't go deep enough on like the Sean Bean and his brother thing. We never meet the brother, basically. The brother's dead in the first 15 minutes of the movie. And for him to take this whole film and, and make it about that relationship and getting revenge was a miss. Well, I think we spent too much time with some of the sort of back dealings of the IRA and, you know, assassinating different people. And, Oh, was it the, you know, the spokesman said it wasn't him. It was a faction of the, like, I don't know. I felt that balance was off. I could have used more Sean B, I guess is, is my answer. I would have to agree. Um, more, not only more Sean Bean, but I felt like the movie as a whole didn't really lean into the um, the Irishness of this, as I think they they probably could have. Uh, I mean, you have your your t- your 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 protagonist, right? Jack Ryan is is an Irish American uh, CIA agent, and uh, I feel like they could have probably, you know, leaned into his. I mean, for all intents and purposes, though, it, it didn't really seem like that. It just seemed like he was um, kind of a, like a, uh, if anything, a, just kind of ambivalent or toward toward the whole thing um, of the like Irish patriotism and, and the IRA doing what they were doing. I feel like they could have definitely leaned more into that, um, and, like lean like into his his inner conflict. It would have been really interesting to see some some inner conflict with him struggling as, you know, someone of Irish ancestry, someone of Irish stock, um, you know, being pulled in both directions on the one hand for Mm -hmm. Irish independence, on the other hand for, um, you know, public safety and security. That would have been interesting. That would have, I don't know if they had kind of played with that a little bit more. I think this would have been a top notch, really top notch thriller other than it, what it kind of turns out to be, which is just, you know, if, if you like, if you like the, um, the genre, if you like the Tom Clancy genre, you know, this is, this is a pretty good Tom Clancy movie, but I feel like it, it doesn't really do a whole lot to challenge itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Uh, that being said, I appreciated the IRA as a villain. We don't see too often, um anymore it was a nice little encapsulation of 1992 uh which i certainly did appreciate uh very of its time of its time for sure yep and this is a uh i believe a sequel to the hunt for red october have you seen that movie i have not i have not um that one has the clear distinct advantage of starring Sean Connery and uh him being involved in in uh in in movies uh is usually a uh an enhancement of the movie shall we say I learned something interesting about Sean Connery Reese oh um the the movie um the sound of music mm. Sean Connery was um under consideration to play the the role of the the main dad in that mu- I don't know if you if you've seen the musical the movie uh, Baron von Trapp Sean Connery mm-hmm. was apparently a, a leading candidate to to play that that role. Wow, 
Um, they, I think the only thing that stopped them was, uh, he was, he was kind of, uh, too big at the time was bond. Uh, and the movie they thought was going to be a fantastic, uh, flop. So they, they did not, uh, they did not, they got, um, they did not end up getting him. They got some other guy, um, (laughs) instead, uh, whose name I'm just quickly Googling here. It was, uh, yeah, there's a a rich history in Hollywood of people. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Indeed. Yep. Um, but yeah, that that could have very well been uh, that could have been Sean Connery there instead. Um, but that was my yeah my my Sean Connery fun fact of, of the day. Um. So. Uh... What else about this? Uh, did you like now, Matt? Did you know that uh, the film originally was supposed to be based around the assassination of the actual uh, Prince of Wales? Um, that that ha- that's how it is in the original novel, but they were replaced by the fictitious characters of Lord Holmes, um, the uh, British Minister of State for Northern Ireland. Who is that, Holmes? Yes, Lord William Holmes. Lord William Holmes. Not a real person. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, you ever see the uh you ever see the crown? You ever watch the crown? I have not seen the crown. Okay. I I believe they they kind of they delve into if not that um there is a uh I think it might actually be the assassination of Lord Mount Mountbatten. They do mm. a a, a segment definitely a a portrayal of that one of the episodes uh lord mountbatten uh being played expertly by a famous actor who was in um uh game of thrones if you know uh it was uh charles charles dance charles dance awesome Kind of that uh, very British, very, very staunch kind of character. So, yeah, I think I, I will say I do appreciate this movie's um, uh, commitment to spy craft, if you will, in a very practical sense. There is a lot of um, even, at, you know, the non Ford stuff in this movie, which actually there is a decent amount of um, stuff happening in Ireland in South Africa and some of these other locations, but where they're using the satellite technology, they, they have uh, informants, um, bugs, you know, nothing kind of over the top sci-fi as you would sort of see in more modern films, but certainly a practical now is that exciting on screen. You know, there's a whole scene of Harrison Ford looking at blurry satellite photos, trying to figure out what's in them. I wouldn't say it's thrilling, but um, there, there definitely was some cool stuff happening. Um, in, in a very realistic sense. Yeah. Uh, it's the, I think the, a lot of the Jack Ryan, uh, collection seems to center around like a very, very kind of hyper realistic take on, uh, yeah. Spy drama. And it's definitely not as bombastic, right. Or as uh, silly or as, uh, incredibly over the top and tongue in cheek and, and all of the above as, as like a, like a bond movie. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's, they go, it goes for the more, um, if you ever get to see hunt for red October, it's definitely more of a slow burn, I guess, but, but, uh, they, they really lead, they do lean into the realism, which is why that made the, made the ending of the movie so strange with the uh like the high speed boat chase and the explosion like that seemed like it was taken out of the page of a mission impossible or a james bond or something like that in an effort to kind of spice things up in the movie's final act and resolution but uh i don't i don't know what the reason i guess that they uh they wanted to make it as as thrilling as possible they also had the um uh like you mentioned like the 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 shooting the missiles from the screen like that was all uh the helicopter view and everything all very kind of very high tech ish uh mm-hmm. for for the time so so looking at 
Some fun facts about the movie. I, I didn't know this, but scouring the Wikipedia page here, uh, Ford accidentally hit Sean Bean in, in the eye with a with a fishing hook during the during the the movie. Actually, gave him a scar um, over his eye. <laughs> Yeah, it was actually while they were reshooting the final uh, scene of the movie, the boat chase. Um, the original ending had them fighting underwater and crowds hated it. So they actually reshot it um, with the explosion and all of that. It was while reshooting that scene that he hit Sean Bean with the boat hook. I mean, what did you uh, what did you think of the uh, of the finale, Matt? Jack Ryan out on the they they, they attack the, the house he goes out on the boat chased by Sean Bean they're they're out on the high seas rain storm some fisticuffs they fight Sean Bean gets killed and the boat explodes yeah uh little little over the top I think uh I I preferred Sean Bean's Sean Bean has died many times in, in film uh, and I would definitely prefer. I think when the sat the satellite crushing him for me was a was a was a top ten. But of course, this one I think it might be just outside that range. Other Sean Bean deaths, I think he falls off of a balcony, like some kind of balcony collapses in National Treasure. He like falls down like a big pit, uh, if I remember that right. Um, or no, maybe he doesn't die. I think he just gets arrested. But yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, in in Lord of the Rings, he gets hit with the a bunch of arrows. He's, he plays Boromir. Um, we should rank the Sean Bean deaths. I'm thinking, where else did he have a good? Oh, in um, is it Game of Thrones? Doesn't he get he gets uh, beheaded? Is that him? Is he played Ned Stark? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Yeah, so he gets, he gets that's a pretty good one. He's he's been uh, he's been around in many many ways, and he usually it's it, I think the game with Sean Bean is he usually ends up being either the traitor, the bad guy, or dies. It's like like uh, or any combination thereof of the three. He was in Troy. Yeah, so one of the common things the Google searches is what has Sean Bean survived in. Movies that Sean, where Sean Bean doesn't die, include the following. Does he die in Jupiter Ascending? No, no, that's on the list of movies where Sean Bean doesn't die. So spoilers for Jupiter Ascending, maybe he does not die there. That would be if you ever see Jupiter Ascending. That's a wild film. You know, I have not. It's it's absolutely insane. We definitely should watch that at some point. Do do a whole couch. Hmm. Would you like to guess the number one film uh, ranked by MovieWeb.com that uh, where Sean, where wherein Sean Bean does not die? Uh that's a really good question. Um, of films he's been in where he doesn't die. So a film Sean Bean has been in where he does not die. And it's the number one ranked according to MovieWeb.com amongst the movies where Sean Bean takes part in which he does not die. Is it Pixels? No, because I didn't even know he was in this movie, Sean. It's The Martian. Oh! He plays Mitch Henderson. The Martian. Um, Yeah, I guess he was one of the guys on the floor. Uh, He was a flight director who usually don't die. Yep, Mitch Henderson. Yeah. Did not know that. Did not know that he was in that movie. You ever see Ronin? Ronin was pretty cool. I have not seen Ronin. I just I, I'm looking at his I have not seen a lot of his films, unfortunately. Oh, uh, and I think he plays an IRA agent in that movie too. I did see most of Flight Plan, the Jodie Foster psychological thriller I'm trapped in a plane movie. Yes. Did we see that together? Absolutely not. I really don't think so. Because that was, uh, what year was that? It was 2005. I I didn't know you yet in 2005. Oh, that, that was 2005? Yeah, that wild. That's 
way earlier than I. Okay, I I remember seeing that in theaters. I didn't know if we had seen that, but yeah, that was a that was a long time ago. That wow, that was a big movie. That was quite a movie. I remember that was a yeah. That's a cerebral. Uh, that was a cerebral film right there. Yeah, where Jodie Foster's like, "Where's my daughter?" And they're like, "We have no evidence your daughter was ever on the plane." Yes, but then she is on the. I don't know. Spoilers for flight plan. Well, yeah, Sean Bean was threatening to blow up the plane. She's in the. She's in like the cargo room, right? The, the car. Yes, essentially kidnapped, and they wanted to frame the plane exploding on Jodie Foster. I think. Yeah, that it's been um, a long time. I haven't yes. thought about that movie in such a long time. No, it's definitely a generic 2005. In 2005, he was in four films, one of which included The Island, the very forgettable and very expensive Michael Bay movie. God. The man orcs. Um, Mid-2000s flight horror was a thing. Post Yeah, is there a Wikipedia category for that? Films set on airplanes? Films about aviation accidents or incidents. Snakes on a plane. There's the movie um, where uh, drunk Denzel Washington lands the plane. Oh, flight. Flight. Well, what was the one? There was twelve. That doesn't count. Oh, hijack was the one that just came out on Apple TV Plus with Idris Elba. Yep, it's a popular. Uh... It's a. It's definitely a genre. Matt, I was going to drop some trivia on you here. Yeah. This film came out in 1992. It was the 11th highest grossing movie that year, grossing $83 million at the domestic box office. Uh, just beneath it, Bram Stoker's Dracula, The Bodyguard, and White Men Can't Jump. Can you name any of the top 10 highest grossing films of 1992? What a year. Uh, Home Alone 2, of course, I believe, came out. That was number four. Very good. Um, other than that... I got nothing. Is there was there a Terminator that year? Uh, there was not a Terminator, but there is a franchise film. Actually, the top two are both franchise films. Okay, both franchise films. Yes. Uh, one is an action franchise. One is a hero franchise. Hero, really? A hero franchise? Was it a? And it was a, a hero franchise in the top. It was the number one film, oh, actually. The, the number, number one. one film. Yes, sir. A hero, a hero movie. That seems early. Nineteen ninety-two. Was it? What was it? Superman, like Superman two or something? No, no. Most of those movies came out in the the eighties. Yeah. This is Matt. Like, who's the Who's the hero for the nineties? Kurt Cobain. Yes, it was Kurt Cobain superhero <laughs> film came out in who's the hero. Uh, I I yeah, I don't know. It was uh, a little darker, the the weirder. This is the weirdest one. Oh, Batman! Famously, oh, yeah. I was okay. This is uh, it's the the Michael Keaton Batman, or is that this is yes, this is Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Yes, one hundred sixty-two million dollars. Batman Returns. Yep. So that was yes, the sir. One. Yeah. Uh, right beneath that at number two is the penguin. Is oh, absolutely! Penguin? Yeah, Dan- Danny DeVito, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, uh, Christopher Walken, of course. Yeah, uh, I still stand by. We should do Batman movies, and I know you don't want to do superhero movies, but God, they just span such interesting uh, decades and genres. And um, sure, I think that'd be interesting. Anyway. Uh, beneath that, Matt, Lethal Weapon 3 uh, and Sister Act is number three. And then also in the top ten, Wayne's World, Basic Instinct, and Aladdin. Oh, Aladdin. Yes, sir. Hmm. My Cousin Vinny, also popular 1992 movie. Yeah, now I'm looking farther down the list. And there's some real garbage down here, like, stop or my mom will shoot. The Lawnmower Man, Mr. Baseball, Three Jack, Pet Cemetery 2, woof. Uh, anyway. Newsies. Newsies. Uh, Mighty Duck. You ever seen Newsies? What a 90s era. Yeah, I have. I actually have seen Newsies. Yeah. I love Newsies. Dude, Christian Bale? Yeah, yeah. 
one of his earliest uh, roles. Absolutely. Carrying the banner. It was a good one. I actually quoted that film in a uh, college paper I wrote. Nice. Because uh, it was Robert Duvall played, um, who was the newspaper magnate? magnate. Uh, uh, I almost said Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, uh, close. <laughs> kind of, basically of his time. Uh, not, not, uh, why, can't, why can't I? God damn it. Yeah, we're old. We we uh, time thinking of these things. Uh, you can tell I'm getting to the. Uh, I keep wanting to say Rupert Murdoch. Joseph Pulitzer. Yes, yeah, Pulitzer. Joseph, and he and he has a speech in the movie about how he's like gonna, you know, he I make the news and whatever, and then I quoted the movie in my paper about Joseph Pulitzer. Um, nice. Don't know if I should have done that, but uh, got to cite your sources, and then you're fine. Well, except it was made up for the movie. It's the real guy didn't actually say it, but you know, yeah. hey, teacher didn't care. We don't know that he didn't say it. That's true. Is that how it. quotes work, Matt? You can just make up any quote, and if you can't prove that they didn't say it, well, um, then like they you got to say it sounds like something he might have said. It's within character for him. It's within within the basis of the character of the individual. Well, I'm going to start. In the basis of uh, the character and capacity of the individual. Quote, Sean is the handsomest man I've ever met, end quote, said by Matt Mariani. Yeah. I mean, I mean I it's have... it's in the spirit of what he would say. That's right. And and it's something that I, I believe I have said on many occasions. So it wouldn't really be that far out there. Wouldn't be that far out the scope of reality. Sure, sure. Do you know that... Um, there's a list of famous Americans that has that worked as newsboys, and they include Joe DiMaggio, Thomas Edison, Dwight Eisenhower, Harry Truman, and Mark Twain, among others. Looking back at the uh, the Patriot Games uh, wiki here, uh, they, they they somehow Libya Libyan terrorists are connected to this, and it just reminded me of like remember Back to the Future, wasn't that like didn't oh sure. Doc gets attacked by Libyan terror. Was it like late in the eighties, early nineties? Was there was there something really going down with Libya that like why? Yes, actually, must have been a lot. Well, of first of all, aren't you the history teacher? Yeah, but I don't know everything about history, Sean. <laughs> you know, I thought that was your job. That doesn't make me a, a, a encyclopedia about oh. all these things. Although this was something we were both alive for, it's, uh, so maybe we like maybe should know about it, but. I I specialize in, in in ancient stuff. I don't know. Yeah, Libya. Um, I don't know the whole history, but yes, there was a bunch of crap going on um, <laughs> around that time. Uh, there was because uh, wasn't it the uh, they bombed the Lockerbie flight in 1988? It was it was right. Gaddafi and all of that. Um, there was lots of terrorists and arms dealers and. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, they murder. Uh, they murder Doc, right? And uh, well, to be fair, hang on though. Mm-hmm. They did. He did take money from the Libyans. Promised to deliver them plutonium, which he did steal, but then kept for himself. Can you really yeah. blame the Libyans? No, I was going to say. I, no, no one. No one here is blaming the Libyans. I think this was this was a, a Doc fuck up but i think um definitely definitely if you had to blame somebody uh it would not be the libyans not for that would you be interested in buying the soundtrack from the original motion picture the patriot games oh so you're gonna say back to the future i just think i do own the uh the soundtrack to that sounds like it'd be fun to listen to They've got well the uh, the score is awesome. Yeah, I'm not a big score guy in general, but man, Back to the Future the score is so good. Hmm. Um, were there any hit songs on Patriot Games? Like, what's even on the soundtrack? Uh, no. But w- one of um, <laughs> fair enough songs. Uh, the in a two in 2013, a two disc expanded soundtrack album uh, was released. It was limited to 3,000 copies. The album contains over 50 minutes of previously unreleased music, 
including cues by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart and John Philip Sousa. Matt, right now on Amazon, I can get you the Patriot Games cassette tape for $4. Christmas is right around the corner, Sean. Uh, it's a gift for... Now, it also has another $4 in shipping, so you're, you're approaching 10 bucks here. But still, I think that's, that's a bargain. I think I'm worth it. I think I'm worth it, but uh, I do not own a cassette player, unfortunately. Sad. Dang. One of my biggest shortcomings in life. Dang. Not owning a cassette well, in 2023. I'll have to settle for an audio CD. Hmm. Um, if you had to make a guess, do you think Roger Ebert enjoyed this movie or not? That could be a fun bit we do on the show moving forward. You know, guess the thumbs. Yes. Um, I think he probably liked it. I don't think he loved it, but I think he liked it. Well, um, on the review aggregator website, uh, nope. Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, gave it a 6.8 out of 10. Uh, but Roger Ebert called the film absorbing while also commenting that Harrison Ford once again demonstrates what a solid, convincing actor he is. Yeah, I mean, I think... Listen, this is not a, an awesome movie. It's not a particularly great movie. It's competently made. It's entertaining. It's totally fine. They don't make movies like this anymore. This is like, in baseball terms, it's like a double. Maybe a triple. It's not a home run. That's fine. Like, I enjoyed how... Uh, straightforward this film was um it was it was uh dare i say quiet i mean even the action was good i mean i think the scene where uh harrison ford is tailed by the guy um who and then they have their little fight and then there's the car chase um of course there's the uh the, the big attack at the end of the film where he's going around the house and doing stuff. Like it wasn't really over the top. It wasn't like edge of your seat thrills. It was just good. Um, and, and maybe that's Harrison Ford's nineties legacy. It's just a bunch of good, solid films. Yeah. Um, I'll be real with you. This, this movie, uh, definitely a lot of moments in this movie were triggering my ADD. I was very much out of <laughs> found myself checking my phone a lot during this movie, you know, um, and I don't think that's necessarily a measure of the movie itself um, so much as it is a, a, a product of the time period that we're in. I'm not really one for action movies in general, like like if it's if it's like constant action, which this movie, I think the pacing was just right, but. If it's constant action, I'm I'm taking what right out of it. I I can't I can't really sit through, stay seated through, uh, in an, a movie that's inundated with these 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 fight scenes. Um, I, I just can't I can't really bring myself to do that. Uh, but in a film such as Patriot Games, the the fighting is kind of just right. But like you said, it's a it's a form of qu like kind of quiet action, and I felt like. I uh, I could allow myself to to pop in and out of it and still kind of follow what's going on with the plot. Yeah, and that's you know one of the fun things about doing the show with you is I kind of had the opposite, which is you know I think about Blade Runner like that was like a I'd rather watch anything else movie. Not that I didn't like it, but in terms of holding attention. But there was usually when we do movies on the show, I don't watch them all in one night. I usually will watch half, maybe a little more than half. Um, and then usually like the night of the show, I'll finish it. So it's kind of fresh in my head. I actually had to stop myself. I wanted to finish this film because there was just enough going on where it wasn't so action heavy. I was distracted and it wasn't so boring. I didn't care. I actually felt from that respect, that angle, uh, this movie was more of my alley. Now, of course, I'm not like most people, so take that for what you will. But um, but that that did work for me. Are we ready for the Harrison Ford fun fact of the day? Oh my God! Absolutely, play the jingle of the night. Yeah, we, we don't have a, we don't we don't have a jingle. Uh, yeah, man, bring it on. Jingle. If the jingle were Harrison Ford humming the Star Wars theme song, I think that'd be a pretty fun jingle. But maybe him just shouting, "Get off my plane." 
Yes. Um, so, uh, in 1990, People Magazine named Harrison Ford the sexiest man alive. Sean, can you name 2023's sexiest man alive? Oh, that's a really good one. I don't even know that I heard this year. Paul Rudd was it like a year or two ago. It's not Paul Rudd, is it? No, it is not. But that is a very good guess. I think he was. He is near the. I think he may be second or third. He's near the. He's near the number one slot. He is. <sighs> the problem is, I'm going to name past years. It's not Idris Elba. No, it is not. Hmm. Only reason I know this is it was a question in trivia last night. Can I can I get a clue? Right. Um, Tell me narrow down a yes. little bit here. I can I can certainly give you a clue. He has been in movies with Paul Rudd in a particular franchise of movies. We should we should say. Oh, okay. Well, that does narrow it down. Is it? Uh... Is it Chris Evans? Chris Evans. That is correct. Hey, Nicely good for done. him. Nicely done. Good Chris for Evans, him. 2023's Sexiest Man Alive. And yeah, good for him indeed. Dude deserves it. Yeah, I uh, is I was about to say on Wikipedia, they have the whole list. They do. This is funny. Yeah, that would be a good trivia question, is guessing who the uh, the list of the sexiest men alive Adam Levine was named sexiest man alive in 2013. That's tragic. That is tragic. I'm gonna I'll throw out a, a bonus fun fact here. Then now that I'm reading it, since we since we just did Patriot Games, um, uh, the fun fact was that Ford was always McTiernan's original pick for Jack Ryan, even as far back as the Hunt for Red October. Um. When Hunt for Red October was being uh, put in production, uh, the director told Vanity Fair in a subsequent inter- interview in 1997 that Ford was the actor that he originally had in mind for Ryan. But uh, Ford was tied up with other projects, which uh, led them to hire uh, Ball- Alec Baldwin to, to play the very first Jack Ryan. Wow. Uh, how, how about this, Matt? I'll throw another fun fact on you. Harrison Ford was named People's Sexiest Man Alive in 1990. Uh, he, at that time, at age 56, he's the second oldest person to ever become Sexiest Man Alive. Do you know who the oldest was? George Clooney. No. George Clooney, uh, who's been named twice uh, in, 1945, uh, in 1945, at age 45. Was not the oldest. No, actually, Paul Rudd was the third oldest at age 52. Uh, then I'll say, uh, you know what? I'll go with Colin Firth. Colin Firth has never been the sexiest man alive. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Okay. Um, uh, I will give you a clue, though. His name I'm has been mentioned on the show this evening. He has been mentioned. Yes. Sexy older man. So the oldest, we really he won in 19, he won in 1989 and was the oldest to ever do it at that time. Uh, He's actually no longer alive. No longer alive. We named him on the show. Okay. Gotta be Christopher Plummer, right? Unfortunately not, Matt. Would it surprise you to learn the oldest sexiest man alive is Sean Connery? Yes. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. You got it. Had a feeling. Yep. The youngest ever, Tom Cruise in 1990. Yeah. Anyhow. All right. Anything, uh, anything else left to say about Patriot Games? Uh, what's the next movie in this in the franchise? After you watch Hunt for Red October, you check out Patriot Games, then you go uh, to... 1994's Clear and Present Danger. Clear and Present Danger, also starring Harrison Ford, right? Absolutely, yes. And actually, a number of uh, James Earl Jones uh, returns. 
Um, also, uh, his wife, uh, who's the actress, I forget her name, Ann Archer. No, not Ann Archer. Uh, his wife returns. Are we watching that one? Is that on the list? It is not, although most reviews say it's better than Patriot Games. Uh, but that's totally fine. No, man. Next on our list of Harrison Ford films, as we determined at the beginning of this whole uh, enterprise, uh, we're skipping way ahead. So we've done 70s Ford, 80s Ford, 90s Ford. Nothing worth watching in the 2010s forward, uh, Ford, or really even the, yeah, the 2000s, 2010s. We're going all the way to 2020s, The Call of the Wild. Wow. Uh, yes, we're skipping a whole bunch of very bad films. <laughs> that is for sure. We didn't have uh we didn't put the fugitive in there somewhere. Yeah, I don't wait, Matt, you know, and I don't want to throw you under the bus on this, even though you're the one who made the list, but there were definitely some we didn't get the fugitive, we didn't get Air Force One. How did this how did this happen? Uh we didn't get even like I said, Cowboy and Cowboys and Aliens is a fun one. Um, K nineteen, The Widowmaker is a fun one. Witness, have you ever seen Witness? No, but for all of these movies, I'm just saying Patreon. This is what a Patreon is for. We watch those movies if you want to. If you want the Ford summer to never end, grab a cherry coke and subscribe to the Up for Debate Patreon. Oh my goodness! Well, you listen, Matt. You know. Sean Tember or Sean Tober, Sean Bember, depending on when I get around to it, is coming up. Maybe I just can. Maybe my choice is just to do more Harrison Ford movies. More Ford. more Ford, and then eventually he'll just he'll be on our show. He's got to. I he's don't up the signal. Think so. He's too busy flying his plane into things uh, to do that. So <laughs> fortunately, he can't join us. Uh, now, Matt, we have to score Patriot Games on our patent pending revolutionary, industry-leading uh, Ford scale of Fordness um, that you so kindly invented. Do you, have it, do you have it pulled up there? I did not write it down, so I, I rely on you. I've got you. I've got you covered. All right. Um, so for those at home playing along, our Ford scale... Uh, goes from zero uh, to Ford, Ford, duh. Harrison Ford. Uh, I think we called it a Harrison four. Um, the zero is I'm in this for the money. Uh, and the four is the Harrison Ford. And then we got some cute little names in between. But I'm going to land for this movie uh, for uh, Patriot Games. I'm going to say I'm going to probably give it a solid Two, a laugh it up fuzzball. That's where I'll land it. Um, I don't think it gets the. I have a bad feeling about this because I don't think it was really that bad. I think it was. It was really uh, very much okay. Uh, I'm not going to write home and say this is one of my favorite action thrillers um, or that it, it's genre defying or any anything like that. I'm just going to say solid two, laugh it up fuzzball, right there in the middle, right smack in between. Very reasonable. I think I'm I'm pretty close. I might scooch it up a little bit um, and split the difference because uh, this fuzzball belongs in a museum. Uh, and so I two and a half um, is my scale on this one. I thought it was good. I thought Harrison Ford was the best part of it. I mean, he did star in it, um, so he should have been. But I thought he was really if if I'm judging this as a movie overall in the grand scheme of films, it's fine. As a Harrison Ford film, I think it's good. Yeah, and see... Like, above average. That's something that I... Like, an issue I think that we... we I mean, if, if this were something that we really did a lot in the future, I think we would, we would ideally have two scales, right? We would have, like, how was Harrison Ford in this movie, the Ford scale, and then how the movie was in general. I think I would probably agree with you, honestly. I, maybe I'll bump mine up to three... Uh, just on the basis of how Ford, what I thought Ford was excellent in this movie, but you know what? He's a, it's a rare miss for him. Um, you know, you don't, you don't, are not going to really see too many ones or zeros. The guys, the guy is a, a known talent in the industry by now, by 1992. Um, well, I was about to say there are definitely zeros and ones. We just aren't going to watch yeah, them. I was going to say maybe, you know, on the Patreon, <laughs> if, we, 
pop in Cowboys versus Aliens. Maybe it's a different story, but I don't know. Um, yeah, there's definitely some trash uh, in his uh, later years. But and a call of the wild might be one of them. Um, I I have absolutely no idea. I have zero interest in watching that movie. Absolutely none. Um, but we'll see. Call of the Wild. What was? It was nominated for a gold for a uh, Golden Raspberry Awards worst screen combo with Harrison Ford and that fake looking CGI dog. Oh, it's the fake dog one. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah. This is a, a big remake. It's been remade a few times. Yes, Jack London's famous novel. Uh, the good news is it is basically all Harrison Ford. <laughs> There's almost nobody else in the movie um, other than the dog, uh, the CGI dog. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm curious. How this will go? It's a big question. Movies available on Disney Plus. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Something to look forward to. Well, Matt, this episode of our Cherry Coke Summer is over, but the summer fun doesn't have to end here. If you haven't seen our previous uh, Harrison Ford film reviews, you definitely want to check them out uh, at our website, upfordebate.tv, or wherever podcasts are available. Just look for that purple icon. And of course, the video version of us talking is available. At, a, uh, at our YouTube channel, of course, you can get a hold of us at Up for Debate TV uh, on uh, Twitter or X if you prefer. And you can email us, upfordebatetv at gmail.com. We want to know your thoughts. As said, we'll be back next week with Call of the Wild to wrap up our Cherry Coke Summer. But until then, on behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. We appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you next time for another Harrison Ford-tastic episode of Up for Debate. Ford-tastic. Ford-tastic. <laughs>